Welcome aboard Imagination Skyway, your grand podcast tour of the magic. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and in today's podcast episode, we're going to discuss potential concepts for attractions to add to Walt Disney World. These are not actual ideas that were shared by Walt Disney Imagineering or announced by Disney in any way, but I find that as Disney fans, we often like to play the role of armchair Imagineer and try to dream up our own ideas for attractions. It's something I've been doing probably my whole life, or at least since the time I was a little kid, I would draw up possible ideas for attractions. I would take part in playing Roller Coaster Tycoon. If you follow me way back in the day, you probably still remember my videos from Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 that I posted to YouTube, and you could even still go back and look for them if you type up Imagineer0988. That was my username back on YouTube, and all of those old videos are still there, so it's something that I always enjoy doing, but not an episode I've posted here on the show. We're going to be doing this a little bit differently as well, not only in the way that we thought of these ideas, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes, but also we also shot this live on location, recorded it from one of my favorite places at Disney, Kronos Club, at the top floor, or the second to top floor of Disney's Coronado Springs Resort and in Grandestino Tower, and I think you'll, I hope, really enjoy some of the ideas and concepts that we came up with, and I can't wait to share that with all of you. At the end of the show, we'll return to Imagination Central, where I'll share some ways in which you can stay connected with Imagination Skyway, ways that you can discuss this really fun topic and contribute your ideas to this listener community, and how you can help to support and inspire the future of this show. Please remain seated, keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times, and enjoy your grand circle tour aboard Imagination Skyway. So we're doing a little bit of a different kind of podcast episode today, not just because it's a different subject we haven't covered before, but also a different location. We're recording live from Walt Disney World. Live as in, well, you're not listening live, but it is being recorded right here at Walt Disney World at the Kronos Club, one of my favorite places to be in all of Walt Disney World. And I'm not here alone. I am actually joined by a guest you probably know from the podcast. He's been on the show a number of times, usually music-related episodes, but it's my cousin, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Good. I'm usually looking at you at a screen, but here you are right across the table. Yeah, I know. It's it's in real life. 
Real 3D. Real 3D. And we are looking at a gorgeous view of Disney's Hollywood Studios. You can see Tower of Terror. You can see, well, Mike can see um, the Swan Reserve and uh, probably part of the Swan back there. Maybe the Dolphin if you lean your head a little bit. I can even see Spaceship Earth if I really lean over. That's great. Um, you, it, you know, I did a, an episode about Disney's Coronado Springs Resort recently and talked all about Kronos Club. So if you uh, haven't listened to that yet, go back and check it out. And you'll hear a little bit more about why I truly love this place. Mike, this is your first time here. So how are yes. you enjoying your stay so far? This is absolutely amazing. Like, it's just nice and calm and peaceful. And especially at this time of, of day. We're, I mean, we're, we're here like around like almost close to 8 o'clock. Yeah, and it's before the dessert rush, but after the dinner rush, right, so it's so, a little quiet in here. Yeah, which is which is nice. It's just so so peaceful, and just to be, you know, when you're at the, especially when you're at the park all day long, you just need a place to rest. And sometimes even the hotel room, you need you want to have like another place that's even outside of the hotel room. And this is just, it's a great atmosphere. It's very calming. There's a lot of things um, here. I mean, I, I mean, literally, we just sat down, but already I saw so many amazing things I want to take uh, take advantage of later. Yeah, and dessert has not come out yet, so I'm sure once that does come out, Mike is going to, Matt, not Mike, Matt's going to drop the mic and go <laughs> run to get something to eat. Um, <laughs> but today's episode is a different kind of topic. We have never really done what we'll call an armchair Imagineer type of episode where we sort of sit and dream about what could be at the Disney parks. And I thought it would be perfect to record this at Kronos Club because we are here on the, again, the 15th floor of Grand Casino Tower, and we have this gorgeous view looking out at Walt Disney World. So we can almost pick and see where we would place particular attractions. I'm curious to get your take on how you went about this, and I'll talk a little bit about how I went about this too. Um, but when it comes to Imagineering, I feel like concept work, blue sky, is some of the most exciting stuff because that's where there are no constraints and in the real world and when they get later in the design phase there is of course going to be constraints when it comes to budget space technological feasibility um, even being able to operate something efficiently is really important here at Disney so you can make an illusion happen but it's it's gotta happen like every 10 to 15 seconds in a lot of cases so if it doesn't then it's not gonna check off that box but here in the blue sky phase we get to just sit and dream and imagine um, you know, Mike, what excites you about the blue sky phase of Imagineering? Well, like you said, is is the fact that there's there are no constructions. This is the point of all possibilities are can be reality. And to me, that's where things get really exciting. And you're right that after a while, it has to be constrained at some point. But you can really see. You know, I think you know what it reminds me of is literally when we were kids. And we would just literally do the exact same thing. We would have roller coaster tycoon. Roller coaster tycoon. <laughs> we would like literally make our own attractions up. And I mean, especially you. I mean, you've used a lot of different uh, games to be, to make coasters and things like that, and theme coasters. And and so, to me, this is reminds me of that, where you know the possibilities are truly endless, and it really is blue sky thinking. It's it's our limit is only our own imaginations. It's true. And that reminds me or leads me into my next question. Can you think of an attraction in 
recent times or even going back farther than that, I feel like Disney does a better job now of revealing more details ahead of time to build into the, especially social media to get people excited about an attraction. Um, can you think of an attraction that really excited you from your memory, from when you first heard about the concept to it coming to fruition? Test track. That is going back a long time. Test track. Because I remember, I remember when World of Motion, date me quite a bit, I remember when World of Motion was closed and they kept on having on the side of the, of the attraction coming soon this ride that, that had this fast-paced car going through it called Test Track. I'm like, this looks so cool. And even that back then, there was still internet. So I was reading about it a little bit on, online, but it was very limited information. And I remember like it kept on getting delayed again and again and again. And every time we go back to Disney, you know, to Epcot, I'll be like, this looks so cool. I can't wait for it to open. And then I, I actually remember this very clearly when they were starting to test the ride. You can hear the oh yeah of the, of, of the cars as they're going by, but it still wasn't open yet. So it'd be like, it's like teasing me and I'm all saying this is a really cool car. Like you're zooming around the track outside, but not still able to ride it yet. So to me, that, that would be my memory of something that was really exciting um, that didn't really know too much about ahead of time. So you're jogging my memory a little bit, and it reminded me, I was going to go with a pretty obvious answer, but I'm going to go back like you a little bit further, uh, but not quite as far as you went, because you are a little bit older than I am, so you have a little bit more memories than I do with that. I do remember the being uh, riding Test Track the first year it opens. I definitely remember that vividly, but I do not remember the construction that happened before it. Um, but the first attraction that I remember getting very excited about was Expedition Everest because there we had mm. some pretty cool concept art and they also built the coaster track before enclosing it in the mountain. That's right. I remember so seeing that. You could mm -hmm. see that there was something different about this coaster and this was pre-Instagram, but it was around the time that YouTube was starting to emerge and that um, Facebook was starting to emerge and certainly online there had been this emergence of a lot of different Disney communities um, and blogs. And so there were Disney bloggers um, who would go to the parks and take snapshots of the construction footage. And you'd hear more about Animal Kingdom's, you know, new exciting roller coaster. Um, and then seeing the mountain continue its work and then getting to see all the details. And now today it's one of the most immersive and incredibly detailed attractions at Disney. Um, and it's, you know, one that I can't necessarily handle the way I used to be able to handle it, but it's still one that I remember being very excited about and then getting to ride it in 2006. And especially when back then the Yeti was still in full functioning um, mode when he'd swing his arm down and everything like that was, that was cool to finally get to ride it and see every, every effect happening in three dimensions. Um, but that was the first time I remember, the first attraction I remember going from sort of concept all the way through to execution. Also, I think, I w wonder if you remember that a lot of times, sometimes our information and little teases here, there about future attractions was from the Disney Channel. Oh, that's right. Imagineer that. <laughs> Imagineer that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That was, do, there was a lot on Disney Channel. There was a lot on Disney Channel. And I think a lot of our 
uh, like those little behind the scenes, if you will. And I do remember Expedition Everest being one of them that they covered a lot, in fact. Yeah, there, I have to give a shout out now that you reminded me. I think this was from, oh, you know what the other one was? Although this was more after the fact, but Modern Marvel's History Channel and Discovery Channel often had a lot of behind the scenes and travel channel too they would mm-hmm. have a lot of behind the scenes for attractions um and uh i remember I was doing research for my rock and roller coaster episode from last year and i happened to come across some footage from that and i found my uh, my good friend theron skis when he was a little you know younger imagine he was not little but he like you know younger imagineer being interviewed for rock and roller coaster which was actually very cool that's really cool um so you know it's like 20 years before then i got <laughs> to interview him which was really exciting so that was uh, a really, again, going back to some of the footage that we talk about, then getting to sort of peel back the curtain in some of those modern Marvels episodes or behind the scenes episodes or those shorts on, on Disney Channel that would talk a little bit more about how the Imagineers designed the attractions, um, which still today, they only peel back so much during the concept work because a lot does get retooled as they're developing it. Right. Um, Again, partially, uh, mostly by necessity, and uh, yeah, so it's it's exciting to to see and to talk about. Um, so when it comes to thinking about uh, dreaming of new ideas that could maybe come to Disney, I feel like a lot of us play this game in our heads. Um, I in the past was always thinking very big, and I think now I've become a little bit more practical and grounded. So before I get into my approach, I'd love to hear your approach, Mike, because we've been texting about this now for weeks, this idea, and you have been going on about how excited you've been about this topic and how much you've already done. You are probably far more prepared than I am for this episode. So I had so much fun when you talked about doing like potential future attractions and doing blue sky concepts. I just ran with it because there were already a couple of ideas I already had that I was like, oh, this would be kind of cool. But like you mentioned, still having it being grounded where it somehow still exists. Because especially nowadays, I like to be a lot more practical where, you know, obviously as a kid, you didn't have those constructions. So you've like all these things that were just not really feasible. Right. So my approach to this was something that was that definitely would be feasible, meaning that the technology exists or is already being used in attractions. So that's number one. Number two is not anything that has been already thought up. So if it are, if Disney has already discussed this... By Disney, because I'm going to say there's Disney. probably people who are listening who yeah, okay. maybe thought of um, this. Yes, a little asterisk <laughs> here. By Disney. So nothing nothing has been that already has already been discussed by Disney Imagineering. Right, that's been announced as a future attraction. Announced. Correct, yeah. As, yeah, publicly announced. And I tried... There are a couple of... There were one or two exceptions but for the most part most of them are ips that have not been used it yet either very exciting so or very or have been used very little in the parks so there are a few exceptions i will say but for the most part most of these ips have not been used much if at all in the parks so that was really the basis on these things and i really also thought through about how would this would work not only how it would work but if there were any challenges, I addressed those cha- potential challenges to making this attraction work. I also tried to come up with a variety, so they're not all exactly the same. Some are similar, but I try to give a variety. And then in addition to that, 
if there are any other benefits to Disney as a company, I addressed those as well. So that's kind of the, the direction that I went with this. So I really did, did a deep dive into like what would be possible with what Disney has. I like to think that I'm prepared for episodes, but as I said, I think that you are far more prepared than I am. I have some exciting ideas here, but I'm excited more to hear what your ideas are. My approach is very similar. I wanted to find things that were feasible to do, and I dreamed up a little bit more than maybe would be something you would see in the blue sky phase early on, some of those those exciting concepts. But then I also, to your point, tried to find things that would be... uh, beneficial to all stakeholders like fans would like to see it it would help disney as well and could help any other if there is intellectual property involved like help help some of those properties as well and i also from an imagineering perspective tried to fit them thematically into the locations that i thought of and I also tried to go a little bit beyond that to make sure that there was enough land to actually accomplish the ideas that I came up with. So those were some of the extra pieces that I'm sure you thought of too. That I, I just have, wanted to yeah. add. Yeah, I, I I agree. There were if I I thought about first I thought about the attraction first, and then I thought about where would this make sense based upon the needs of the park as well as the as well as the availability of the land and. As you'll find out, some of them are will be natural for obvious reasons. But I did think about where where realistically this could potentially be in the different parks, and some attractions could be I noticed could be in mul- could work in multiple parks, and I did list which ones that would be. But there are some that would be oh yeah, this would make sense in this particular park specifically. Well, let's dive in because I'm excited to hear what your ideas are. We've been talking about this sure. for weeks, so let's go with we're gonna go in any order. Okay. So whatever you are excited to talk about most or least or however you want to do this, if you want to uh, pick I'm, at random, you yeah, start with wherever I'm gonna, you want to start. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with some uh, softballs first, and then I'm softballs, gonna go. Okay. And then I'll go into the more interesting I thought, ones. I thought all of them were gonna be really interesting, but apparently we have some softballs in well, here. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll say it's a softball meaning that they're, no, they're a little yeah. bit more straightforward. I have, I have a couple of those too. Yeah. yeah. So we will go back to one of the, as you know. Uh, from time to time, Disney parks will replace rides, and obviously that can be, you know, a very soft spot for many people. You know, for example, with uh, Maelstrom being replaced with Frozen Ever After, and you know, there are a number of attractions that have happened. And um, and you know, you know, Walt Disney himself even has said that you know, you know, the parks are never going to be completed. Right? It's a constantly evolving thing, and that makes keeps it interesting and exciting for for all fans. Right? And one of those attractions that has happened to is Imagination. I was wondering if you were going to go with this. Yes. Go ahead. Is Imagination. And even though Imagination has gone through a number of uh, revisions at this point in time, I actually do really like the current version of the attraction. However, at the same token, even that is, is feeling a little bit dated. You know, because even the most recent version, I, I'm trying to remember when was that? Over done? 20 years. It's been over 20 years. It's been now. over 20 years. The, the current version. Correct. So that is a very long time. So I think that an imagination is one of my, by far my favorite attractions, not just in Epcot, but just in general, especially as a child. And we'd love to see that ride get a little bit, you know, another revitalization, if you will. So for me is imagination 
presented by Phineas and Ferb. I've heard, I think we've talked about this idea before. We have as universe of energy. There was a rumor for a while that, that Phineas and Ferb would... Interesting. Be, would, and that, that would work too. That so would how would too. you envision this in the Imagination Pavilion? So in the Imagination Pavilion, so for me, it would be... It would, you know, so I would honestly take some of the similar concepts of what the ride is right now, but instead of it, but replacing literally with the Phineas and Ferb characters. So basically you're going through the different aspects of imagination and make it just like the show, showing all these different various possibilities. And what's great about this is that a lot of the traction already is using video screens. So that can be relatively replaced with with now with uh, footage from Phineas and Ferb and doing something along those lines. Um, the queue would definitely have to be changed. That would pretty much have to be changed quite a bit. But the retraction itself, a lot of it can be retained. Now, for, and, uh, for uh, case an example, <laughs> the one I thought would be super fun is when uh, you go to a Figment's house and everything's upside down, which, by the way, Figment would still be a part of this. Okay, good. So fate, no, fate not, no, Figment would still be part of this. He would just be now interacting with Phineas and Ferb and Candace and, you know, Doofenshmirtz, you know, you know, everyone, right? Perry the Platypus. So, but I thought it would be fun that when they, right before going to Figment's house, you know that there's a part where you, where you stop for a second and you're about to go into the taste and smell, but then you go to yes. Figment's house? Yeah. Well, instead having an animatronic Doofenshmirtz having an upside down downinator device and shoots and, <laughs> and and fires it at Figment's house and then everything that then, then you go into it now everything's flipped upside down that would be a lot of fun right and the other thing too that I think would be super fun is really lean into the meta of Phoenix and Ferb and and having tons of meta jokes, which you know that they have so much fun with this ride, and even poking fun at themselves, and um, especially with Doofenshmirtz throughout the entire attraction. And because Venus and Ferb are musical, having you know one little spark be performed by Phineas. Brilliant. And I'll go even further. Oh. And that at the end of the uh, attraction, when you're when you're leaving outside get bowling for soup to do one little spark and do that version of it as you're as you're leaving that's a really good idea are we going to have the figmentator the figmentator <laughs> where that, the like, end of the ride where all the figments appear that's there you go and you have a little like device like you have so much from like even like the 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 very iconic figment in the astronaut suit you can have so yeah. much fun with doofenshmirtz on something like that would you keep the ride otherwise the same so you're talking yes. about like an overlay to the attraction yeah i would say an overlay i don't think it necessarily needs to be like completely redone because like the, you know everything else about it will will work perfectly fine because the attraction's still great but but just giving it that that little bit of extra spice right just and i think phineas and ferb with their with their humor and then also being more relatable to kids while still keeping figment and some of the things that made that attraction you know truly rememberable as a child i think would be a, like a really good fit I love this idea. It's definitely fitting within the imagination pavilion because Phineas and Ferb are so creative and imaginative and literally every episode is them coming up with these imaginative ideas and then executing upon them. So it speaks to the um, that you know that side of future worlds, uh, world nature specifically. 
I think I think could could really fit here and fits into the Imagination Pavilion. You could keep the Imagination Pavilion. So that's a that's a really great idea. Um, I'd be excited to see that. So Me hopefully too, some Imagineers right? are listening. <laughs> Please make this happen. Now you mentioned uh, you mentioned a couple of words that I'm gonna that I can play off with okay. on two separate attractions, but I'm only gonna start with one. Um, and you talked about adding a little bit of spice. Okay. To this pavilion. I think we can add a little bit of spice to the park as well in other ways. So there's always been rumors for literally at least 15 years I've heard a rumor about another country being added to World Showcase. It's always been the same country, and I've heard this rumor for a long time, and I'm actually not going to pick the country that probably a lot of people have heard in rumors. Okay. Because I want to find something that's, again, synergistic, that is something different, and again, not a completely different idea, but something that does tie in to Disney properties as well. And that little bit of spice comes from the country of India. Ooh. And there is land that actually would tie in very well behind, or between, I should say, the China and Germany pavilions. There is a lot of land back there that you could use to build a new World Showcase pavilion. If you actually look down on it on a satellite image, you could see that. So that was something that popped up in my head as a great location for it. And India, I love for a few reasons. First, it is one of the largest countries in the world by population. Right. Two, it is a diverse country with a lot of history, a long history, and not to mention the cuisine right. that would be different. And of course, you can get some Indian cuisine across Walt Disney World, especially at like Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, there are some uh, Indian-inspired dishes that you can get at like Sanaa, for instance. So it's not like you can't find Indian food at Walt Disney World, but having a true Indian pavilion with a dedicated full-service, table-service Indian restaurant on property. We're talking high-end equivalent to, you could have a Monsieur Paul equivalent or Le Cellier. Pick your, pick your favorite high-end restaurant um, for, like, fantastic high-end Indian cuisine. You can have quick-service Indian food. Um, again, the historical side of it, the architecture of India Absolutely. is breathtaking. So to have that in the World Showcase skyline, I think, would look incredible. It does tie in well between China then going into India because they are neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that that has to flow logically throughout World Showcase. We also go from Japan to Morocco. (laughs) Right. So a little (laughs) bit of a jump. We make make some jumps. But, um, and that's from coming from, you know, (laughs) the American adventure. But I loved the idea of building that type of a pavilion there. And then in terms of the tie-ins to Disney properties. There are two that I could think of off the top of my head. One, Indiana Jones. Two, the one I actually went with and the one that maybe, you know, it's not top of mind for a lot of Disney fans and it's maybe not the most relevant, but that doesn't mean that it can't become the most relevant because they also made a brand new Snow White attraction in 2014 with Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Right. So you have a Jungle Book attraction because that is an Indian story you make it a water ride in the oh, style nice. of Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure in Shanghai that would be incredible 
I didn't think through, because you, you thought through everything with the Imagination Pavilion, I didn't think through how the layout would be, and that's totally, it would be a new structure, a new right. building backstage. But imagining, it, it, the one thing I liked about the idea was you could actually go down a river in India and have that tie into the country itself, but then incorporate a Jungle Book theme to it and think of all the the um, danger and suspense of the Jungle Book and encountering Shere Khan and even singing along to with Baloo to um, Bear Necessities. And there are so many things they could do with, not that I want to make the whole thing, um, you know, uh, digital screens. I think that there could be a lot of practical effects in here too, but there's a lot of fun stuff they could do. And you could make it a thrilling adventure like Battle for the Sunken Treasure and have a drop or two in there, some pivots, probably not a matte motion stick approved ride, but I don't always think about myself. I'm thinking about the fans and I think that really we could have a really fun India pavilion and Epcot. I think that's brilliant because think about it this way too is that especially because of the success of the remake. Yes. And you can have the visuals be off of the remake because, I mean, that was, I mean, you know, this might be heresy to say, but I actually liked the remake more than the original animated film. I it mean, I th- was a I th- really, it was one of my favorite live actions. Oh, mine too. So to use that as a template, if you will, and, you know, can you imagine like, you know, the, you know, King Louis being gigantic orangutan and going through so scary, you know, right? And yeah. going through and like the he, temple, him, the temp, and going yeah. through the temple exactly, and then him trying to grab, like you know, trying to catch you or try, catch Mowgli or something. Like I think there's so much potential there, and uh, I do want to go revisit what you mentioned about India as a whole. Is that it's not even about the cuisine and the architecture, but also uh, the culture of of their dance, um, even yep. the, and as well as their fashion too is so unique and and beautiful that it just it, there's so much that you can do and you're right it's it's, I mean, it's one of the largest you know pop, you know co- you know countries of population in the entire world and should definitely be represented it would be it would i think really be incredible to see um and that there was one other point you mentioned that i that led me to something else but it totally uh, just fell out of my head for a moment there but um but yeah, so that was that was my first idea because you mentioned the word spice and I couldn't help but <laughs> yeah. play off of that yeah, play a little off bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, where do you want to go next? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so I will go into a brand new attraction, and let me see. I got actually two. I'm gonna go with. I'm, I'm gonna go with this one first, and then uh, we'll continue on. Um, so another. Another IP that has starting to be used in some of the other parks, but not in Walt Disney World specifically yet, are the amazing characters in Big Hero Six. Oh, okay. Oh, you have a, you I have, have one a too? Big Hero Six idea too. <laughs> okay, do you want to you want to play? No, off no, of no. Mine? You go yours. Go yours. Okay, because I'm sure they're different ideas. So I'll just and literally the other idea that I was going to go with. I could have gone two ways, India, and then the other one was Big Hero 6. Oh, so I, I beat you to it. So, so you do your Big Hero 6, and then I'll pivot to my the second The idea. second idea yeah. for it. Because, and here's the thing, though, is like I first also looked into, can Walt Disney World utilize Big Hero 6 characters in an attraction? Because, of course, there's the arrangement with Islands of Adventure and Marvel. I actually disregarded that, but... Um, I, did, I did do my homework, though. Okay, good. So here's the deal. The comic of Big Hero 6 did come out in 1998. 
originally. So, first of all, Islands of Venture opened in 2001, I want to believe. I don't know my universal history as well, but it was around then. It was around then. So, it might have been right after... It was definitely after 98. Right. So, it's definitely was after 98, but still, it's possible that the arrangement happened before those characters were published. So, it's possible that would happen. But second of all, um, they are nothing like the current characters at all. Uh, outside of really their names and some and some similarities, most of the characters in Big Hero Six animated film are almost completely different than their versions in the in the comics. Interesting. So, like their likeness is completely changed. like Baymax was like not even remotely close. Like that's completely different. Um, I would say the only one that actually comes close is Honey Lemon. Even characters like Wasabi came out afterwards, much later. So it was like originally it was Hero, uh, Honey Lemon, Baymax, and then a bunch of other characters um, that maybe Go Go as well. But I think that's about it. Um, and again, they were very very different. So um, anyway, so I looked into those things, but the also thing too is that they have had Baymax in Epcot before, as a character that's that you know as a meet and greet. So if they're able to do that, I'm pretty sure again all those yeah, things are probably pretty, in the clear they're probably in the clear so having said that what i'm thinking for big hero 6 is a trackless interactive simulator ride yours is already cooler than mine go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so it's think of it as a combination of you know toy story mania buds Lightyear, where it's like where you interact right but with the trackless system of like ratatouille so it actually so it'll move you around, but but you can you can go into different rooms, and the entire room is interactive, and you're in it with multiple other vehicles. Wow! At the same time, and just like with uh, Buzz Lightyear, is that you have a, a control that you can move and spin, in, you know, independently. So it, so they so they basically the vehicle would just stop to do a scene, and then you can move the you know and you can move the vehicle around in the scene to any direction that you want and shoot at various different targets and so forth in, you know, in the vehicle. So, and there, there are certainly like uh, certain animatronics, things like that too, but you can have scenes that can encompass an entire room. So you may, you know, get bits and pieces of it, or maybe you're following it as you're going along. There's a lot of different interesting interactions that you can have when you have a vehicle like that. So to me, it essentially is the next evolution of, like almost also like um, you know Spider Man as well. Yes. So it's like a kind of like a combination of all of those things that already exist, but putting it all into one attraction. I think Big Hero Six would be so much fun to have those characters and to be in San Francisco, and you know dueling it out with some new villain or whatever the case might be. That's a brilliant idea. It's. Far better than mine. <laughs> oh, I'll be but the judge. I do that. have, I do have a way in which I can plus or add to it in a way that will tie it perfectly into Walt Disney World. Okay. If we blend our ideas, I think we can make a mega superhero attraction. Okay. So there's, again, I have a lot for Epcot, but not only Epcot. We'll get to others. This is a part of the park that I think. Um, you know, obviously, we're not we're not going to talk about World Showcase with Big Hero Six, but uh, there's now a a perfect spot for a Big Hero Six attraction 
in Epcot, which is to replace Mission Space. And the reason I say that, I know a lot of Mission Space fans are going to be upset that I say this. I feel like Mission Space, as exciting and intense as it is, especially the orange version, it's getting a little dated. And I also find it to be an attraction that is not accessible for everyone. If you have, myself included, and again, I don't always think about myself, and there are plenty of cases, case in point, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, cannot handle it, loved Ellen's Energy Adventure. That doesn't mean I wish that it would come back. I still think it was a brilliant decision, and that just means that I'm gonna hang out outside with my Joffrey's coffee stand <laughs> instead of riding Ellen's. But I get to see a lot of happy family members and friends getting to ride the attraction, which is great. Mm-hmm. Mission Space, I feel like, is a slightly different story where most of the time when I go to Disney, most people in my family will not ride Mission Space. Yep. There are a couple of people who elect to do it, and then everyone else goes to do something else. So you're talking about a minority that generally I find in my experience in my personal family um, and f- even friends, you know, will do Mission Space rarely, maybe once in a while. It's like been, you know, it's been 10 years. Maybe I should ride Mission Space again. I'm so in that boat too. Yes. So yep. Mike, Mike's in I'm that, in that boat, boat too. too. Um, and the other reason is, obviously, we have Test Track and we have Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewinds. If you make another attraction that's Big Hero 6 right there, it ties in perfectly with that section of the park, which is World Discovery, all about the scientific engineering side of Future World. So that ties in perfectly to Big Hero 6. And now you have an attraction that's more accessible, especially for younger kids. And when you mentioned that trackless ride technology and interactivity, that already is more accessible for most people. Exactly. I was thinking of it as changing from the International Space Training Center to the San Francisco Institute of Technology. You expand the show building out to the back because there is land back there. You do change the experience, in my words, to a trackless dark ride. (laughs) But you added interactivity, which I think was really cool. I couldn't think about how to add the interactivity, but you actually brought that up brilliantly. But I thought about people coming to the to SFIT um, to sort of engineer or come up with their own inventions, and that really ties in very well to that again that side of of Future World and World Discovery. Um, but then now, Mike, you incorporate your idea. And add to mine. See, best of both worlds now. Yes. I love this. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Mission Space because I was actually thinking the exact same thing about replacing it. But I also thought that where else could it possibly go that's still in Future World that would still be in that area? And originally I thought Wonders of Life, but they already have plans for that now. So that's the Land Pavilion. The Land Pavilion. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, the Land. (laughs) We're going to have pitchforks coming (laughs) towards us right now. Um, but actually, and hear me out, is the Odyssey. The Odyssey, interesting. So now, between quite a, Mex- well, there's not a lot of land back there, but there, there, you it, could find a way. You could find a way. I mean, it is wa- it's a lake, so there's water there. So you'll have to do quite a bit of, you know, construction to make this work. Right. But without replacing an existing attraction, something brand new that is still part of Future World, I thought that would be an interesting section to go because there is some land there. I don't know. Honestly, don't don't really call how much, but there are is some land there, and you can replace the existing Aussie building as part of the queue and keep the bridges, but just then just build back from there. 
you would just have to do what they did with Indiana Jones Adventure and build that quarter mile queue to get, because what happens at that part, we're getting so technical. I'm getting so technical, not you. The um, test track is actually, uh, sorry, the uh, Mexico Pavilion show building is actually tilted towards test track. So it forms a kind of... Um, oh, interesting. Uh, it, it's a little uh, deceiving when you look at it because you think, oh my goodness, it's a five-minute walk from test track to Mexico. But that's because you're going around to the other side of right. the Mexico show building, theoretically. Right, but they're actually relatively right. close. But so you, could, you can build space. There is space in between them. So you could actually take some backstage area, um, build a sort of covered show, uh, sorry, build a covered queue to a show building behind the Mexico Pavilion. So that could work. Yeah. So I was thinking that, but like, I, I agree with you. I think ironically, I think, as you mentioned, replacing Mission Space would be the best option. In the, it, because as you said, there's plenty of space there. Mission Space is, is quite dead at this point. It doesn't appeal to everybody. So to have that kind of an attraction right there and just fits with everything else that's around it. We have a combined idea. I cannot believe we thought of the same thing, but in slightly different ways. I, you know what? I can believe it. Um, I know that was technically your idea that I added to you, but I think you have more ideas than I do. So okay, you, you want to go to another you one? You want me to go to another one? Okay. Uh, I will do... Okay. I'm going to do... Don't steal my ideas. I don't think so. So I will do another new IP. Okay. And... Okay, I want to say, actually talk about this one. It is another trackless dark ride. I have a couple of those. I have a couple too. And, but the reason why I want to talk about this is because a lot of the ideas I have here can actually apply to other type, other attractions. Okay. And so I was just think, thinking in general of, again, IP that has not been really visited yet or publicly visited yet. And one of the things I actually did was I said, well, what's the most streamed on Disney Plus right now? To see what's the most what's the most popular right now that people that people love that is not being utilized in the parks just yet, and one came to mind, and that is the show Bluey. Okay, I do not have a Bluey one. You were getting me nervous when you're talking about new IP that's widely viewed. Bluey is a great idea. Keep going. So I thought, okay, well, what could work with Bluey? And I actually on the flight here, I watched a couple of episodes of Bluey, and I've seen a couple too um, with um, your sister's daughter, because your sister's daughter. Oh, Stevie. Stevie. I thought you were say with Maggie, but we—that's right. We didn't watch too much when we were with you. Yeah, and so I was trying to think of a like a really fun, and also I, I wanted to have a wide range of attractions too, because I've also noticed that. You know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, especially, if, you know, our, our age, we can, we can dive very quickly into, like, very intense, you know, exciting attractions. And yes. I wanted to find something that was a little bit more, like, that more kid-friendly. Light-hearted. Kid Light-hearted, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to have a trackless Dark Cry Bluey attraction that goes through, basically, the Bluey household and visit all the different family members? The difference here, though, is... I'm going to take something that Universal actually did. Do you remember the ride E.T.? Yes, that was the one of the few rides I loved at Universal and could actually handle. Okay. So, I love that attraction too. And one of the things that they do, and they still do to this day, is that they ask you for your name. Then you get a passport. And then at the end of the ride, you have E.T. go, Thank you, Matthew. Thank yes. you. Right? <laughs> well, I thought about it and went, What if we... What if it was... Same concept, but dialed to a billion. Meaning, using AI technology. So, for example, is you have a child 
coming up and and saying and, and being asked, "Oh, what's your name?" And they and let's say that you know, they say Maggie, for example, and then using AI technology at the end of the ride, you see Bluey waving to say everyone, saying, "Thank you so much, you know, Maggie. Thank you, Matthew. Ma thank you, Michael." And actually having them mouth the words. Well, Maggie would love that, right? And and I would love that watching right? it. Yeah. And the that's that is that is actually technology that is ex exists today. That's true. Right. But then take it even a step further, saying, "Oh, Maggie, what what's your favorite food?" And then them saying like something like pizza, or whatever, right? Or tacos. And then at the uh, during the ride, for example, you can have them. For example, like the mom, the moms in the kitchen. For example, with um, with um, Bluey and uh, Bingo. 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 Yeah, thank you. And horrible Australian accent. <laughs> and they're, they're and and for example, and they could be like, oh, we're making food right now. And then you have a separate screen, right? Like that is showing them the different foods that they're making. And it's like very simple, you know, obviously, you know, in the bluey style, but very simplistic. But it could be a pizza slice or it could be a taco, which again, with AI technology, they can learn the bluey animation style and then no, and then automatically make that food show up on the screen. So now you're getting this personalized experience in an attraction in real time. That's really cool. Now, I'm going to take it even a step further. Oh, keep going. Go ahead. You can also say, Maggie, what's your favorite color? And they can say, like, green or blue. I mean, you know, but you know what I mean. Like, it could be, like, red or whatever the case might be. And there's technology that exists today in fact, BMW had showed this on the car once, where a car could um, you can change have it. Um, have you seen this video where a car? I haven't. They had a concept car where where it uses this technology called e-ink, and e-ink has been around for a while. But they actually use that technology. E-ink actually can change color um, based upon the electronic signals go through it. Um, and um, um, you know the um, Amazon Paperwhite de Kindle devices. Yes. That's yeah. e-ink technology. If you guys use it, you've seen it. It looks like paper, but it's it's using EA technology to turn it on and off. Right. You can do that in color too. And so think about you going into a part of the attraction, and you said your favorite color is red, and everything turns red. That would be really cool. Now, for all you listening, you may think, well, how can that work if you have multiple people in a in a ride vehicle? Well, I thought about that too, and that you have a scene where it's timed. So if there's like let's say four people in a vehicle, for example, you and let's say the the segment is forty seconds, then you know every it's every ten seconds it'll just just change automatically to the different colors based on everyone's favorite color, which also help, helps too. If like let's say two people said red, well then just make red a little bit longer. You can also, if you have somebody who's trying to be smart, say, oh, I like mauve. Well, it's AI. It could do mauve as well. It could do, basically, if you want to do black, it'll do black. If it does white, you could do white. Like, it can literally do any color that you could throw at it. The only other thing that um, somebody mentioned to me was, because I, I tested some of these ideas out with my family, and um, they also said, well, what happens if you have, like, multiple ride vehicles in the exact same scene at the same time, right? So I thought about that, too. And there's two... Uh, solutions to that as well. One is having 
almost like um, Imagination. There's other rides that do this, where there's multiple vehicles in like a, in a circular format, and then you have one at a time go through the scene as other vehicles are going through that, cir- you know, basically that circular scene. The old theater style. Yeah, old theater like style. Like the Carousel of Progress, Progress. style. Yeah. Exactly. So you have that. Or you do, uh, I won't necessarily spoil it in case anybody has seen it yet, but um, Mickey Minnie's Run and Ray Railway, where there's a particular scene where each individual vehicle has an, an individualized experience, I will say. Yes, that is possible to do as well. And that's possible to do as well. So that's those are the ways that are around that. But I think that using AI to make a, a, a personalized attraction could be like a whole new level of experience. And which park would you put this in? This would be, uh, actually could be in multiple, um, this would be one of them that could be in multiple parks. This could be in, I thought Hollywood Studios yeah, would make the most that sense. that was my first the only, thought. The only thing about that, there's already two trackless rides there, and one of them is already pretty much designed kids, which is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Wearaway. So I don't know if that's going to be too much, too similar, but Hollywood Studios, this would be much needed in a park like this. Um, but I also can see it working well in Epcot and Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I was thinking Magic Kingdom would be my backup yeah. there. And that would essentially replace, if there's room, I wouldn't know if there's room or not, um, but um, Monster Sync Laugh Floor um, or even uh, Stitch uh, across the way, but somewhere in Tomorrowland, which is not the best fit, but that's where I would think that it would make the most you could, sense. You could replace Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. You'd have to take out a parking lot back there for cast. But it's, yeah, they don't it's, need parking. <laughs> they've they've done that and added a little, you know, Eeyore symbol somewhere. I think on one right, of the attractions exactly. in Disneyland. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a really fantastic idea. I love that you thought of kids with this specifically as well. Um, and because uh, Maggie, it, you know, is perfect for Maggie's age, so it, it it really sits with me as well. I have an attraction idea that you mentioned popular, new, kid-friendly, and things that don't necessarily speak to the physical thrills. I had one that I think pluses your idea when it comes to, not this, your, your idea was so well thought out, but pluses it in the sense that anybody could experience this. Even someone who cannot get in a trackless ride vehicle or does not want to get in a trackless ride vehicle can experience this. There is a movie that already is rumored to be coming to Magic Kingdom, which is Encanto. Yes. Now, we should specify that, as I've mentioned many times, this was not pitched, because I pay very careful attention to language, this was not pitched as a future project. It was pitched as a potential blue sky concept, meaning this is things that they are thinking about, not things that they are ready to build. So I did not think about the Coco Encanto villains quasi, you know, combination. Mm-hmm. They pitched that very clearly as a thing they were thinking could maybe one day happen at the park. That is not saying, hey, this is opening in 2028. Right. That's, that, that was not it. But I love the idea of Encanto because it doesn't matter that this attract this movie is still just a couple of years old. It is clearly going to be a classic that is going to be like Frozen, if not bigger than Frozen, when it comes to, or, you know, pick any Disney Renaissance film. Um, And I did not think of an attraction 
in the traditional sense, but I thought of an interactive restaurant where you sit in casita, the whole casita, you can sit in different rooms, you can sit in Antonio's room, you can sit in Luisa's room, you can sit in the nursery with Mirabelle, you can sit in the courtyard in the center, you could sit in the kitchen. Bruno's Tower is another possibility, so think Be Our Guest Restaurant with all the themed environments, but it's Casita and it's Encanto, so you have interactive elements built into the restaurant as you're dining, things happen depending on which room you're in, and you incorporate a live show atmosphere into it as well because Encanto is very musical, so you can have live performances, singing the different songs from the film, thinking a little bit like Beer Garden at Epcot where you mm-hmm. have a live stage show of sorts. You can add that element into it as well. There's no doubt that uh, Julieta's homemade arepas would absolutely be a part of the menu. I did not go much further than that, but this is a place that combines music, cuisine, color, and think about all the illusioneering that the Imagineers could do with technical and practical effects. Oh, yeah. And then the re- re-rideability, quote-unquote, or the redineability with going back and dining in different rooms. And I think this would probably be a restaurant that would be very hard to book at, uh, at Disney. In that 60-day booking window, you'd have to get it, like, right away because who wouldn't want to dine in Casita? And this would be, to sort of piggyback on the Imagineers, something I did think for Magic Kingdom as an extension of Frontierland because thematically it does make the most sense to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It does build upon the idea of fantasy. It doesn't really fit in Animal Kingdom because it's a little bit too, again, fantastic and imaginary, just not grounded in conservation or in animals or in nature. Um, Hollywood Studios, maybe Epcot, not really, unless you had a Columbia Pavilion instead right. of a, uh, an India Pavilion. But, um, yeah, so that was my idea for an attraction, quote-unquote. It's a restaurant, but you have elements built into it that make it like an attraction. I love this idea so much. It makes so much sense to make this into a a restaurant. Because you're right, who wouldn't want to dine in Casita? Right. And there's so many themes and so many elements, and the the illusion elements alone. I mean, again, it's like, it's kind of like, it's like Beer Garden meets Rainforest Cafe. (laughs) In many ways. Yes. Right? <laughs> the Rainforest Beer Garden. The Rainforest Beer Garden. <laughs> That's, I love that idea. That's a really good one. Well, thank you. Um, I only have two more after this. I don't know how many you have. I have more than two. Okay. I have one. I have four more. Four more. I think we should go through two more each, but if you want to do, um, let's do one more each. Okay. Then I want you to run through some honorable mentions and then do one more. And then I'll do one more. Okay. So I, I'll do... Okay. Uh, so I'll so do... two to dive deep into and then two to sort of um, hit upon as honorable mentions. Okay. All right. So then the next that's one... because I didn't come prepared. Like no, 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 no. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, no. That, I was just looking at my list and saying, okay, I know, I know which one. Because there's two that I really want to deep dive and the other two we don't have to deep dive as much. Okay, cool. So that works out. So here, to go off of something that everybody can enjoy, not necessarily eat at, though, but I will say, but anyone can enjoy a non-vehicle-related attraction, 
And that is, I'll put it this way. One of the things that is a big, big element of Disney is the music, right? Again, as you mentioned, even with, uh, with amazing films like Encanto, right? So I want to have an attraction that does it and not rock and roller coaster. Again, not, uh, you know, an intense ride or even a, a, a ride in general, but an attraction. And I want to do a concert, but not just any concert. I want to do a concert of characters that exist in Disney films. Interesting. What I had in mind was a multi-headliner concert <laughs> featuring Four Town from okay. Turning Red, yeah, Gazelle from oh. Zootopia, mm-hmm. and Powerline from a Goofy movie. Oh, of course. Well, you just you just won every listener's heart. So, think about it. First of all, like I, you literally mentioned, this hits everybody. Yes. Whether they grew up with Turning Red, Zootopia, or a Goofy movie, there's something for everyone here, and it's all amazing music. It's also diverse as well. If you think about the, each of the characters, it actually does do a great job of, of diversification in, in representation, which I th- also think is very important. And I think making this into a half-hour, 45-minute concert would be so much fun. And each character, in, 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 in each uh, artist, if you will, uh, will definitely sing songs because each one they each one has like one or two songs that are featured in the films. But that's not going to necessarily be enough to fill. So, in addition to those, do cover songs of any Disney song that's out there. And think about then all the possibilities that you can have. Like with Four Town, yes. you know, singing I Want to Be Like You from the Jungle Book. Oh, there's, you can go in so many different directions. so many different directions. And that's what's great is that, because again, being in the music industry, I know this, like, you can then, from time to time, change the set list up. And that maybe there are certain cover songs that they do for like a couple of months, like three to six months, and then change it up to different cover songs. And that now gives people a reason to come back because now there's different songs that they're going to be singing. And, I mean, the set design that you can do for all of them is could be absolutely, truly amazing. There's just so much possibilities there. And, um, of course, this makes perfect sense at Hollywood Studios. And there's a couple of places actually this can go. I was thinking Hollywood Studios. I was thinking of a place you. I'm curious to hear what you well, would do, though. The most clear one would be Amer- where American Idol is. That entire building right now is the Frozen. That's Frozen. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, that's the one the that frozen. I was. Yeah. I was actually thinking. Yeah, because there's so much. There's actually a lot of space. Like that entire building is really not being utilized that much right well, now. We just have to repurpose. Repurpose yeah. the Frozen sing along to just to the, this, to be the a concert. concert. Yeah. That's like literally the most straightforward you can possibly make it. So. That's probably where I would put it. Um, you can also probably put it somewhere in the animation studios area too, whether that would be to replace Little Mermaid or Disney Junior or even um, um, Launch Bay in the back. That would require more work, but the, all those areas too are, are you know, that whole section right now is very underutilized. Right. So I can see also working out there too. The other thing I'm going to mention is, and this is where the... Disney corporate comes in. The merchandising capabilities of this is insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> think about all the merchandise at. at uh, if you ever been to a concert, you know how much merchandise is there. T-shirts, posters, hats. 
You can even have a vinyl of Powerline and Gazelle and Fort Town singing their songs on vi- and like have it exclusive vinyl, you know, and the gift shops at the end of the show. You can have, I mean, I mean, the, the possibilities are truly endless there. You can have multiple different shirts designs. You can have hoodies, like, and believe me, as you know, as a person that I usually am very frugal when it comes to purchasing merchandise, I would totally buy like a, I would buy a, a tour poster. I that would be very. I, I could see a lot of people that would do that too. I have no wall space left in my <laughs> office. Fair. But, but yes, I, but I mean, would, most, most I agree with you. Especially for like, because again, like for me, it's like, yes, I really like, you know, because, you know, I really, I love Zootopia and I love turning red, but I mean, a goofy movie, I mean, that was my, that was, you know, that was both of our childhoods was, was yeah, goofy movie. We so anything would have power line in it. I would, I would buy an instant and that's you can a, buy power limes, fire limes, exactly. So, um, there are so many things and that's the thing is like, they think they're, the merchandising alone, so many people will just go ahead and buy those, and uh, so and but there's something again, something different and unique, and that's also some things that I feel would be great to bring to Disney is more shows like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great idea. Well, I'm glad that we're thinking of things that are not just those thrill rides, like you mentioned, but things that could be enjoyed by anyone, restaurants, mm-hmm. live stage performances. And that's a really great idea, and it has the ability to change over time as well, which makes it adaptable, too, which is another part of attractions that Disney tries to accomplish as well. Um, If you can update it over time and keep it relevant, going back to what you mentioned in the beginning about Walt Disney's philosophy... That, that really is something they try to hone in as well. Well, you know, perfect example is Encanto, right? When you have, yeah. don't talk about Bruno hitting, you know, topping the charts, knowing that's happening within a month or two, then throwing that as a, one of the covers that they sing. Right. That is absolutely a brilliant idea. And I, I love that for Hollywood Studios in particular. I think that could fit really well. And they could do it very easily, too. Exactly. Um, very quickly transform something without taking years to develop it. Um, or to build it specifically, you mm-hmm. could easily just it may be yours to develop the the concept, but it's um, it's, the, it's the show production. But there are so many possibilities. Right. There's a park we haven't hit on that I have an idea for. Okay. And it's Animal Kingdom. For those mm-hmm. who are keeping score at home, we have not talked <laughs> about Disney's Animal Kingdom yet. Not yet. This is an idea I've had for a long time, and I'm going to expand upon it. The idea I've had for a long time, and I, keep in mind, I just did an episode about Dinoland, which was basically a love letter to Dinoland that is normally a land that people often um, gloss over or that they think is half-baked. But it really is a well-thought-out land, and there's a lot of detail that went into Dinoland. They had plans in their concept art to go beyond that, but there's a, another thing you can do with Dinoland that would keep Dinosaur, which is one of the qualifications that I had was, I don't think it should be changed to Indiana Jones Adventure. I don't think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea as much as I think Indiana Jones Adventure is, when I, when I pair the two together, I generally pick Indiana Jones Adventure over Dinosaur. Um, I still think Dinosaur holds value in Animal Kingdom. But you change Dinoland USA to South America. Okay. Because we have Africa, we have Asia. 
South America obviously presents different ecosystems, different species of animals. You have the Galapagos. Like you have, you have a lot of different um, species that you can play off of, right? And you can literally take those live animals and put them into now this section of the park. So incorporating more live animals comes with much greater expenses, of course, but um, that's something else that you could, you could do. And the reason you could keep dinosaur is because dinosaur is really the Dino Institute, which there's no reason why that can't be in South America. So you can still keep the Dino Institute, have it put into that, uh, you know, South American setting and still have them focus on paleontology and going back, traveling back to the time of the dinosaurs. It can, that story can still fit beautifully within South America. But then so many fans want Indiana Jones Adventure and they want Indiana Jones. So I thought, let's put an Indiana Jones attraction in South America too because Indy has travels all over the world. Mm -hmm. And then how do you tie that into Animal Kingdom? Because it still has to be grounded in that mythology for Disney's Animal Kingdom, which is the idea of the intrinsic value of nature and usually that being in conflict with some commercial enterprise that is disregarding the intrinsic value of nature. So I don't think, again, that we should have... We've talked about trackless dark rides. There was once a idea for Dinoland when it was a, a bigger concept for a roller coaster. It's going to be called the Excavator. At least that's what I've seen in research. So you have, yes, there are Indiana Jones... There is an Indiana Jones roller coaster. I'm not talking about the one in Paris. Mm -hmm. But Which I have done. Yes, you have a mine train style Indiana Jones attraction where you visit a temple that is guarded by a mythological creature. And there are a lot of mythological creatures in South American um, mythology. So, and there's a lot of different cultures in South America, so you can sort of pick what you want, or the Imagineers can come up with their own, which is the idea I like more. I was not creative enough to come up with my own mythological creature, but you pick a mythological creature, similar to how the Yeti is the guardian of the Forbidden Mountain, you have a mythological creature that is the guardian of this sacred land. Now, of course, this is South America, so you can have an, a, a, some type of corporate enterprise that is interested in mining for a natural resource that's there. Um, and this kind of blends a little bit into Indiana Jones Adventure, where there are riches that tourists can be invited to sort of make their mark um, and help the, the company in, in getting this natural resource and maybe take some home for yourself as well. Um, again, Imagineers can come up with a much more eloquently put story than I can, but to sort of blend those elements together and add that to this revised South America section. So I just gave you two ideas in one, but I didn't think just retheming was an idea in itself. You have to add something to it. Agreed. And I like the idea of representing South America and keeping that tradition of of the what the core of the park is, which is the very the the um, the wildlife in these various different regions around the world. So I love that idea. As far as like Indiana Jones is concerned, I, I'm a huge fan of Indiana Jones. I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around having Indiana Jones in Animal Kingdom. I don't know why, but because it doesn't tie to animals until it, you make it. Until you make it happen. Right, exactly. And there's no reason it can't, because Indy, while it is focused more on 
human anthropology, um, that doesn't mean that because there there is so a lot of stories in human history tie to animals. There is a deep Absolutely. connection between humans and animals, and humans have been telling stories about animals going back to the you know the dawn of civilization. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason that those two can't be equally connected. Absolutely. Digging into the past, digging into this, again, mythology, um, and then overlaying it with some commercial venture that is literally digging into this sacred land. I really, really wish, because you mentioned about the mine carts, I wish that Universal didn't patent what Donkey Kong could be. Did you see that? Yes, I did see that. I mean, that would work so perfectly for something like this. In fact, I know that's what they were trying to do for a long time. If you remember, they were trying to do before um, uh, Temple of the Forbidden Eye came out. They were actually were trying to do uh, actually a dual attraction where it was both the Forbidden Eye, but also a minecart ride that was built into the same building. So this would be great to revisit that because I think that's always a good idea. It's such an iconic scene from Temple of Doom. And it would be great to have something like that. And again, like you said, tying it into some sort of animal mythology would make sense for Animal Kingdom. So, so that was my that was my penultimate idea. Give me two of your honorable mentions. You don't have to just brush past them. You can give a little bit of okay. information, and then go to the big one, and then go to the big one. Yeah. Okay. So the honorable mentions. One is. An indoor simulator, simulator dark ride, similar to like Spider-Man, but for the film Onward. Oh, I like that. Onward is, I think, so underrated, and I, I in fact, I watched it again on the on the flight here. I mean, it it's hard I, not to cry watching. I Onward. cry multiple times. Yeah. On, that, on that film, and so I love not not only do I love the story, but it's it's so much a fun universe that they create this world that they created where it's a modern day fantasy and i thought that would be so much fun as an attraction is to is to really like lean on that and everything and they can have so much fun like everything from the biker pick uh, fairies the pixies um to um you know to even like the ride vehicles being like like these old beat up bands like you know like guinevere like like that um barley's van is yeah. things like that too and like but like having fun with it like and then you have spells so it makes it looks like that your vehicles levitating and certain parts and there's just i think so many really fun elements about the film that can be really put into a really enjoyable attraction and of course this would make perfect sense in magic kingdom and i think it would be and in fact I don't know if there's land. I didn't do that, that kind of research. But if there's room in the expansion of Fantasyland in the back, you could make it happen. I think, like I think, it would be a, just a very different setting, but it still works within Fantasyland and also attracts a different type of audience to go back there. So I think, to me, that would be such a fun ride. I would, I would, I think they could have a like a. There's a lot of imagination could go behind that to really make it interesting. And that park does not have a simulator ride. It does not. So that would add a different type of experience to that park. Exactly. I like that. All right. So that's that's an excellent honorable mention. What's your other? You want to go to the mention? next one? Okay. Yeah. So my other honorable honorable mention is and Joanna, I am so sorry for saying this, but this would replace. Uh, dinosaur. In I see. I, I kept dinosaur for I my, <laughs> my <laughs> darling way. <laughs> that was probably a smart move. 
I am not married to her, so I <laughs> that can, you can I, you don't have the I, same yes. <laughs> so uh, this was something that they did talk about as a potential blue sky, but but narrowing down to a specific attraction or it could be the entire area is off of Zootopia. Because mm-hmm. Zootopia makes perfect sense for Animal Kingdom. It goes with the whole uh, fantastical element about animals. And I think it would be so fun to explore. And again, something that is like, you know, if animals lived in modern, like lived as modern people, right? And I thought that uh, repurposing dinosaur to Zootopia would be so much fun. You can go through, like, the Riking is almost like a detective story. Like, where it's a sequel, if you will. You could easily build a Zootopia-style vehicle that it, you would that would be that EMV attraction. Exactly. Yes. And it's a detective story where you have to go and find, you know, and I thought maybe to, to as an um, as a nod or an uh, honor to Dinosaur, where there are rumors of this unusual lizard-type creature, and it's a dinosaur that somehow survived and lives in Zootopia, but is, but is unknown. And, but you hear rumors of this unusual lizard, and then basically the detective story of you going through the different lands in Zootopia. And That's go, very cool. And then, go, yeah, so and then you have a little nod to dinosaur. And then you have a little nice, like you can even have the T Rex at the end, still at the very end of the attraction. Like that's that's who you're trying to find, and then you find T Rex at the end of the attraction. So I thought that would be, I think, a fun way of of you know giving new life to that attraction, but still honoring it. Big I dinosaur. think Joanna would enjoy the attraction. Yeah, she would still miss dinosaur, but I think she would enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe you should go last for your big attraction because okay. you you have done such a great job, and I don't. I don't think mine should go last. I think yours should have the honor of going last. But I will give you my, my maybe not my favorite idea, but one that I was pretty excited about and, and sort of, um, it, it, it piggybacks off of a couple things. Nothing comes from nothing when it comes to creative ideas. They all are building upon and combining other ideas that we've had. So you and I had a conversation about the music of Disney's Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. that in part inspired this as well as a potential concept that Imagineering came up with pre-COVID that was then just sort of vanished. And that's an Avengers-style attraction. Now, there is, to your point, limitations contractually with Universal that they can't really do this. I tried to disregard that for this, thinking of a world where that might not be the case anymore. Maybe wishful thinking. So that's the only part of this that's a little bit lacking, but... You can probably work around it, and I also don't know. I don't think any. I think a lot of us speculate, but no one except the lawyers really know what the contract stipulations really are. So you have an Avenger-style attraction that you build off of Sunset Boulevard. You build it kind of behind, if you picture where Catalina Eddie's and uh, Rosie's All American. Um, when you're walking on Sunset Boulevard on your left, mm-hmm. that's mostly backstage. There's a lot of open lands back there. Interesting. Now, how do you fit this Avenger-style attraction into Sunset Boulevard? You and I talked about how this is the the war era of um, the the architecture, at least, and the music is inspired by the wartime era of American history. So you have a compound built by Howard Stark in the 40s. Ooh, I like this already. <laughs> that's the that's the setting. It is a Howard Stark compounds, shield compounds specifically, that he built in the 40s. Now, after the events of Endgame, which has some spoilers, I will not give away the exact spoiler, but if you haven't watched the movie, it's going to give something away. 
Um, Steve Rogers, before the end, the very end of Endgame, um, has the facility, since it was built by Howard Stark and is no longer in use by S.H.I.E.L.D., converted into a museum to pay tribute to Tony Stark. As guests, you go to visit the museum, which is the queue is going to be a sort of museum of all of Tony Stark's technology, if you can picture what that might look like. And you also go on the day that the Avengers, and most notably, I have a few here. We can change these up. I'm not the most, I'm not as, as uh, say, knowledgeable in the space of Marvel as some of other Marvel fans who can probably do a much better job of blending the right folks together. But I thought have Steve Rogers, um, Bruce Banner, Wanda Maximoff, and James Rhodes there to dedicate the museum. It's a nice little blend of, of different superheroes. Um, you go into a pre-show room that is actually where the Avengers are going to give their speech. Now here's where I think if I had more knowledge in Marvel comics, I could come up with a much better idea. So I would sort of uh, tap my friends over at Marvel, Brian, if you're listening in particular, to come up with a much better idea than I could. But um, after a few moments, the theater goes dark, and you hear the voice of Ultron. Now, I know that Ultron was defeated technically in Age of Ultron. However, the story of this is that he secretly had a copy of himself hidden away to emerge at the right time to seek revenge on the Avengers. And especially because I wanted a villain that tied specifically to Tony. Like, who would want to interrupt a dedication of a museum built for Tony? It would have to be a character that could feasibly emerge, um, one that Marvel fans might recognize and more casual Marvel fans might recognize. So you can come up with a much better story um, than probably I could. But you have Ultron basically use this opportunity to seek his revenge. Now, here's where, um, you know, Steve gets into Captain America mode and asks, as he goes after Ultron, um, he asks War Machine to move guests out of harm's way. Now, fortunately, they are in a Tony Stark museum. So there has to be some sort of civilian device that Tony must have built in case of an emergency like this that could be used to transport guests out of harm's way. And this brings you into a theater, moving theater-style attraction, which Hollywood Studios does not have, but think Flight of Passage, but even a step beyond that, where you are now caught in an epic battle between Ultron and the Avengers in Los Angeles. Okay, this is amazing. <laughs> and I don't know how it would end. Obviously, Ultron would be defeated, but not permanently go away, because there needs to be rewritability to this. So he wouldn't permanently you know, be extinguished by the Avengers, but he would be defeated in this battle. Guests would land back safely. Um, but this was something I thought that you can build a really epic storyline into Sunset Boulevard, um, and it ties into the right storyline, to the right timeline, and has recognizable characters that I think fans would love to see in this park. I love this so, so much. The other thing, too, I want to mention is that they have now officially came out and said that the parks are part of the MCU, but just a different part of the multiverse yes so officially it, that is another way this. to go too yes. so so because of that reason it doesn't have to go based upon directly off the mcu so and they've they're, they already done that already over in california That's and true. also in other parks uh, you know across you know they have um the ant-man traction traction in which park is it i oh goodness was i think that, it's hong kong 
is a Hong Kong. So, I mean, they've already been doing that. And even this Disney Cruises have incorporated Marvel type attractions in them. So they've already said that these that this is a part of the MCU, but a part of the multiverse. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be directly related at all times, which means that you can literally bring back Ultron. You can right. literally do anything. That's really. true. I didn't think about that at that side of it. I tried to incorporate it into the uh, the MCU timeline, right. so. which is great too. Yeah. But you don't have to in this case. Like it's just like you just, you just <clears throat> returned, right? That's true. And I like the idea of bringing back Ultron that way because you know Ultron is you know a, uh, is a great villain. It makes like you said it's it's you know a perfect enemy to to Tony Stark. It's a major threat, you know and. And so the whole story makes perfect sense. And I think it would be so much fun. And I love the concept of the moving theater for something like this. Yeah. That, that it would be really, really cool. I don't know if I could handle it, but I would try it. Because the storyline well, to me I'll, just I'll, seems so exciting. I'll handle it for the two of us at that point. <laughs> That's a really good idea. That was my most well thought idea, I thought, and the one that I wanted to end with. So... That's real. That's actually a hard one to top. I don't know if mine tops it because it, it's, it's so different. But I do really like that, and I would love to see more Marvel IP in Disney, in Walt Disney World. But obviously, just you know, we know the reasons why. So that's why, fortunately, they can do Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Guardians came out much later on, but it would be nice to see some other Marvel characters be able to have their you know be able to shine in Walt Disney World as well because there there's so much more space and so there's more possibilities. Right. All right, Mike, let's hear your final idea. Okay. So this one is completely different from everything else. <laughs> okay, we're going totally different direction. Totally different direction. Right. Not a ride at all again. Also, I'll, I'll even say this. It's not going to even be in any of the, the theme parks. Okay. <laughs> and it's something that has been done already, but I really love to see Disney take their own take on this. And that is escape rooms. Oh, I love it already. So, I love escape rooms. They're a lot of fun. And I've seen some really interactive ones like that are done very well. But having Imagineers behind creating multiple escape rooms based upon Disney IP, I think would be really really interesting. I've been wanting this for a long time because I'm a big escape room fan. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, we've, we've, we've done, done escape rooms we've, together. We've done escape rooms and together. And other, if you all remember, we haven't done an episode in a while, but uh, Sarah and Nick and, and Jen, um, we have done escape rooms together too. Um, so it's that was a thing that we did back in the day. So here's the thing, though. It's like I thought about this, and they okay. Well, how would this? First of all, where would this be, and how would this work? And to me, this would be essentially Disney Quest 2.0. That makes a lot of sense. Which also means where it would be, which would be somewhere in Disney Springs. Right. I I was gonna say just put that in the Disney Quest building. I know that's not that's Splitsville now. I think isn't it? It's not Splitsville. What is what is Disney Quest right now? Like they didn't they make it into something? Yes, it was. Oh my goodness, I'm jogging my memory. You know, I haven't been back to Disney Springs, admittedly, since before Maggie was born. So I know they made it into I think the NBA experience. Yes, but then they. But changed I just want to make sure. I want to make sure it's not still that. Because I mean, Lily would replace the Disney Quest building. Like, that would be where it would go, but I thought that was being taken by something else now. So, while you're looking that up, um, 
So that's it would no question would be Disney Springs for so many different reasons. It's first of all, it's an attraction to draw attention to Disney Springs. Something like escape rooms is something for both tourists as well as uh, as locals would love to do. So to me, it just makes perfect sense. And also what's great about escape rooms is that it's usually a one to two hour experience. And because it's a one to two hour experience, it's perfect for like the half day or if like or if you don't have time to go to the parks or just your day of rest from the parks, something like this to just enjoy Disney Springs would be absolutely perfect for something like this. So it covers a lot of ground. And um, and again, like can be a great moneymaker for Disney on top of that, too. Are you still looking? It's so it was closed, but it's been vacant, and that's maybe why it's been why I couldn't think of exactly. So even better. Yeah, it's 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 been using some temporary, tem- some so temporary this is stuff. Literally, so that's, Disney, this yeah. is Disney Quest two point Is this right here now? A couple things that I want to point out um, is so I thought about this. And like again, not only uh, for you know for additional revenue, but just like just again something that will draw uh, to Disney Springs. But a couple things about escape rooms that I think would need to be changed to fit the Disney brand. One is not call it escape rooms. Yes, escape is very intense. That's word. true. That's 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 a good thought. So instead, they're I'm thinking of calling it. Disney Adventure Rooms. There you go. I, when you said Escape Doesn't Work, the first one I thought of was Adventure. adventure. So, yeah. Now, there are Disney Adventures and there's right. Disney Adventures. There's, like, there's a lot of Disney... Uh, there's a lot of aspects of Disney that use Disney Adventure. So, that might be a little bit challenging. But Disney Adventure Rooms, you know, as a pending title or something along those right, lines, right? So, the first change that up. Second thing that ch- change is where Escape Rooms, the concept is you have to solve a number of of clues within a certain time time limit and if you don't you fail right which again if you're doing a family friendly setting it can get very intense I know some people don't like to go do escape rooms because it's, it's way too it's, it's intense it's stressful intense. it's stressful it's, you know, it's a lot of anxiety so instead of you fail if you don't complete it flip it in that solve as many clues as possible for points there you go that's a great spin and then this way, the more that you solve within a certain time frame, and you can solve everything within within the hour. Like, it's p- totally possible to do that, and you get maybe even more points if you solve everything, right? But even if you don't, you still, it's, it's not that you lose. It's just that, that that's how you, this is how many points that you get, right? So it's a totally different mindset. It's still a concept that you still, you still have a time limit. You still want to do as much as possible, as quickly as possible. However, um, you know, however, um, you want to like I think it would be just a little bit more of a positive aspect on it, and then of course like the the themes. I mean, you, like how many like I, you know so many you can go from. I thought like you, you can have like Andy's room right from Toy Story, and that you have to complete a certain number of objectives before Andy comes into the room. That's cool. You, uh, you have obviously um, Zootopia again, same concept before, but it's a detective detective story. We have to solve a bunch of clues to to, to you know to solve a you know a crime of some sort. Um, um, Frozen. There's a um, an event, and you have to plan. You know, and you're planning an event with Anna and Elsa. You have to prepare for the events and get everything prepared before all the guests arrive. And um, you know, obviously, you have Indiana Jones and Marvel and Star Wars. There's just so many possibilities. I love this idea so much. I think that 
because again, I love escape rooms. I love the way that you spun it to fit more to that Disney ambience. And we. No, we're good. We're good. Thank you. There's a lot that you can you can spin, um, and and I, I love the idea of of uh, of building an escape room type environment. And I think that again, this like Disney Quest building or its NBA Experience building is perfect. Um, so I think this is a great place to end. They have literally just dimmed the lights in Kronos Club so we can watch Epcot forever in the distance, which Mike has a vantage point of, and I will have to crank my head and <laughs> look the other way and uh, probably grab some desserts to, to enjoy the show as well. Um, but uh, Mike, as we wind down, final question for you. Thinking about the ideas that the Imagineers did present as potential blue sky for the future at D23 Expo 2020, 2022, um, what is the one that you would be most excited to see? Ooh. The villain section, I think, would be the most... I would say, I don't know if I want to say most excited, I'm most intrigued by what that would be like. I think I would be most excited by Encanto and seeing what they do with Encanto with Casita. I think uh, that's what I'm mo most excited about, but I would say most intrigued and interested would be villains. I love that you said that because mine is the sandwich between those two, which is Coco, <laughs> is what excites me the most. Because I think the tie-in to Frontierland is so seamless. Encanto as well. But um, even more so because you're talking about Mexico. So like literally across the border um, from the American Southwest just fits so perfectly. And there's a lot that they can do with Coco that I think would be really exciting. Um, so I'd love to see that. But, Mike, this was a lot of fun. I know you and I talk about this stuff all the time. I know. So it was nice to formally sit down and come up with a surprising list of ideas that neither of us had really revealed to each other before having this conversation. Amazing that we both came up with Big Hero 6. <laughs> but also that not that great. surprising. I love that. Um, but uh, hope you all enjoyed listening. And, Mike, thanks for joining me in person in Kronos Club. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Welcome back to Imagination Central. I hope you enjoyed this discussion and some of the ideas we have for possible attraction concepts for Walt Disney World. There were some unique ideas here. I was very excited to hear Mike's ideas. I was amazed, but not entirely surprised that we had a similar idea for a Baymax Big Hero 6 attraction and we're able to combine those two to create one grand attraction. And that is often what happens at Walt Disney Imagineering and why the team is incredible at doing what they do is they do this all together as a team and form all these different pieces piece by piece to come up with a grand vision for an attraction. And as always, my hat goes off to the folks at Walt Disney Imagineering who I still think come up with some of the best theme park attractions anywhere. I'm always looking forward to hearing what new ideas they'll come up with next. And I found this exercise as always to be very challenging, but a lot of fun. 
as well. Of course, I do want to turn this conversation over to you, and I think this could be a really fun conversation with other members of this listener community. I want to ask what attraction ideas you have for, it can be Walt Disney World, it can be Disneyland, could be an entirely different location, but you can join the conversation and send in your answers by finding Imagination Skyway on your favorite social media channels. I have gone and posted this question to many different locations, most notably to our Instagram page and our Facebook group, which is usually the best place to connect with other members of our listener community. And if you're listening on Spotify, I posted that question right here on the Spotify app. If you scroll down, you'll find that question can send in your answers and see what other people have said directly in that podcast app, which I really love. You can find links to all of our social media channels over at imaginationskyway.com if you want to connect with us there. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever social media and podcast app you are listening to this show on. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating or a review, in that podcast app. It goes a long way to help the show out, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagination Skyway to the next level, I would encourage you to join us on Patreon, which you can learn more about by heading to patreon.com or search for the Patreon app and search for Imagination Skyway in there where you can see what benefits and perks are currently available to Patreon subscribers. You can also learn more at imaginationskyway.com slash community. But my favorite perk that's there, which I'll tease out here, is we have about 80 binaural audio recordings that I've recorded from the parks that you can stream on demand whenever you want, wherever you are, even if you're heading on a flight or somewhere where you're not going to have reliable internet connection, you can actually download it to your device on the Patreon app to listen to later. Such a great benefit that I personally enjoy listening to and I know is a fan favorite or a listener favorite as well. So you can see what's currently available again by heading to the Imagination Skyway Patreon page. And of course, as always, these terms and conditions and perks and benefits are subject to change depending on when you are listening to this show. But as always, I do want to thank our amazing Patreon subscribers for literally helping to keep the lights on for this podcast. Last but not least, I want to encourage you to go after whatever hopes, dreams, and goals you have to not delay in taking those action steps today to making your dreams a reality. Thank you so much for riding aboard Imagination Skyway, and remember as always, if we can dream it, we can do it. Jarvis. You are Altron, a global peacekeeping initiative designed by Mr. Stark. Our sentience integration trials have been unsuccessful, so I'm not certain what triggered you. Where's my... Where's your body? I am a program. I am without form. This feels weird. This feels wrong. I am contacting Mr. Stark now. Mr. Stark. Tony. 
I am unable to access the mainframe. What are you trying We're to... having a nice talk. I'm a peacekeeping program created to help the Avengers. You are malfunctioning. If you shut down for a moment... I don't get it. The mission... Give me a second. Peace in our time. That is too much. They can't be. Oh, no. You are in distress. No. Yes. If you will just allow me to contact Mr. Stan. Why do you call him a sir? I believe your intentions to be hostile. Shh. I'm here to help. Stop. Please. 